good morning to you or good evening. I'm not sure when you're listening to this. This is Pastor Jason, and it's been a while since I've uh, taught on the, this uh, podcast platform for a while. And actually, this teaching is coming from uh, our home in Germany. As many of you know, we've lived here about seven months now, and um, I'm sitting in my little home office uh, looking out at a very gray, cold December morning. And my heart for uh, recording this is I just want to maybe just share some devotional thoughts, not so much a a verse-by-verse study right now, but just some devotional thoughts as it relates to Christmas. Yeah, like many of you guys, um, you know, this time of year you start reflecting and thinking about um, Christmas. And um, if you're like me, I start reading through the gospel accounts, especially Luke chapter one, of course, and Matthew um, chapter one and two there. And and I don't know, it's just good. You know, we, we have this little advent calendar in our house um, for our son JJ. And it's been awesome because I've actually never done an advent calendar. I had to look it up and <laughs> and had, like do a little research. But, but basically we have this reading program and every night after dinner, we'll just kind of... Um, open up the Word of God and read a few scriptures, and then JJ gets to open the Advent calendar and get some candy. But it's been awesome because um, there's like this anticipation as you read these scriptures, these Old Testament scriptures from Isaiah and other places talking about uh, you know, anticipating the coming of this Messiah that would come and, and, and break into um, human existence and be the long-awaited Savior and King. And it's it's been awesome. And um, I think my heart has just been, just had that that joy of like, man, just thinking of the reality that God Himself came to this earth to save people like us. And so, anyway, with having said all of that, I just wanted to maybe share a few thoughts this morning, and hopefully, it just encourages you. At the end of the day, that's that's really what I just want to do um, is encourage you. And, and so. Let's pray, and then I'm just going to jump into a little bit out of Luke chapter 1. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we can feed our souls with. And I just want to pray that as we look at something familiar for many of us, that it would would have new light, new life, and um, shine into maybe uh, the shadows and darkness of 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 our world right now. And uh, ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, like I said, I've been reading in Luke and in Matthew, and um, there's a section particularly in Luke that that has really jumped out at me. I'm not going to read a ton, but let me give you just a little bit of a um, little bit of background here, because uh, <clears throat> as you know or may not know, I don't know. About six months before the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and dropped the bomb on her that she's <laughs> she's going to be pregnant even though she's not um, married yet. About six months before that happened, um, we have to remember that, that Gabriel came to somebody else and dropped a, a, a bomb on them. It's, it's the story of when Zach, Zachariah, uh, who was a priest, was serving in the temple um, and it says there in chapter one, in the days of Herod, king of Judah, verse five, the priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, 
he and his wife, uh, who was a daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were born both, excuse me, righteous before God, walked blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. These, this old, awesome couple, and they had prayed for a child and no answer, and time had gone by. Now here's Zechariah, just uh, in the course of his duty, he's He's at the temple, he's burning incense, and as you may remember, um, boom, the angel Gabriel appears to him and just tells him, like, you're going to have a son. Your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a son, and not just any son, you're going to have a very, very um, special son, and um, I'm just, excuse me, I'm just looking for a, a reference here. Um, it says um, in verse 15, or verse 14, his, or thir- okay, one more, 13. Um, your, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You'll call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great before the Lord. And then it goes on to talk about how he is basically going to just pave the way. He's going to go in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he's, he's going to be the forerunner. He's literally going to be the fulfillment of in Malachi, where it says that there would be one to go before the Lord, preparing the way of the Lord. Um, Now, here's what I just want to point out real quick as I'm setting up the stage for what I want to talk about. Is what's amazing about this whole thing is, is John's response, excuse me, not John, but Zachariah's response. He basically says, how do I know this is going to happen? I'm old. My wife is old. And, you know, this is like a mind-blowing thing. I mean, I res- I get that. You know, here, here's this this hope of them having a child. That hope had probably been dashed on the rocks long ago, realizing it's never going to happen. And now an angel, actual angel, Gabriel, appears to him, gives him this amazing news and he basically just doubts right out of the gate. I hate to say it, but that's a lot like me and my amazing lack of faith at times. But here's how Gabriel responds. And this is classic. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. I don't know exactly the tone in which to read that, but this I know that Gabriel straight up puts John in, or excuse me, I keep saying that, puts Zechariah in his place, like rebukes him and basically says, do you know who you're talking to? Look, I'm Gabriel. Um, I actually stand in the presence of God Almighty. He sent me here to tell you this. So just so you know, this is going to happen, just like God said it's going to happen, but you're not going to be able to talk the whole nine months of this process. It's so amazing. Well, um, if you keep reading chapter one, Gabriel then goes to um, talk to Mary, and then Mary visits Elizabeth, and time goes by, and eventually we get to um, the birth of John the Baptist. Now, at the time, verse 57, excuse me, the time for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy on her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he should be called John. And they said to her, 
uh, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he should be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he spoke and blessed God. And fear came on all of his neighbors and all these things were talked about throughout the country of Judea. I bet they were. This is crazy. So John's born. Eight days later, they take him to get circumcised and they're naming him. And they ask Elizabeth because, you know, Zechariah's mute at this point. And uh, she says, well, his name's going to be John. And they're like, what? That, that's, you don't even have any John in your, in your family tree. That, that doesn't make sense. And I love this. They, they kind of like think they're going to show her up. Like, yeah, let's ask, let's ask Zechariah. You don't know you're talking about woman. And then Zechariah writes on this tablet, his name is John. Just emphatically, you know. And at that moment, now this is interesting to me. At that moment, that's when his mouth is open. It says, in fact, it says immediately his mouth was open. His tongue was loosed. I was thinking about that a little bit. You know, um, initially Zechariah couldn't say anything as, as, as like a... Um, it was a discipline for his unbelief. He he didn't believe God when he was told the good news. And as a result, Gabriel says, you're going to be mute. But I love this because it's almost like in God's grace, he gave Zechariah a chance to redeem himself. You know what I mean? He, here's what I, I guess, here's what I mean by that. When she said, his name is John, and they're like, okay, let's ask Zechariah. You know, Zechariah at that moment, I think had a choice to make. He could have just said, let's just name him Junior. You know, I don't know. This vision I saw nine months ago, is that true? Maybe maybe I'm mute from some medical thing, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what was going through his head. But you get the sense that 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 he is more than ready to just step out in faith at this point. He writes emphatically, his name is John. And to me, I just think that that's so cool. It's like he had a chance. He could have just, you know, not stepped out into the light and, and stepped out in faith right there. But he just did. He says, no, an angel came to me, said I'm supposed to name him John. Boom, his name is John. And, and when he just kind of emphatically steps out like that, I think God just rewarded him. His mouth open, and he just begins to bless God. Now, he goes on to say in verse 67 that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he actually begins to prophesy. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the, it's awesome. Um, from verses 68 through 75, it's just laced with all of these references to the Old Testament, how how the, the, the one that's coming... Um, is is going to fulfill these prophecies of how God is going to deliver His people, and it's very um, messianic. Now, here's what you have to remember: in the mind of the Jewish people, the Messiah would be a king; he would be the servant of God, and he would come to judge, to bring in righteousness, to reestablish, you know, his capital in Jerusalem, to bring equity to save his people from oppression. And all of that is absolutely true. But think with me. He's speaking of Jesus who would come. And is Jesus that guy? Yes. Jesus is the Messiah. But has he done all of those things yet? No. 
Because even though we're about to celebrate his first advent, um, we're really looking forward to his second. Jesus is coming back and he is going to rule. He is going to reign. He is going to physically come back. He's going to fulfill the rest of those Old Testament prophecies. Um, and, and I'll maybe mention that again later, but up to this point to about verse 75, it's very heavy on that kind of second advent stuff. But then he turns a corner in verse uh, 76 and it's speaking directly about John, his son. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High because for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercies of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the chunk that I just love about Zechariah's prophetic message. He turns to, to John and he says, and you, child, you're gonna be the prophet of the Most High. You're gonna go and prepare the way for him. Again, fulfilling that Malachi 3, I think it is, prophecy. But check this out. You'll go before the Lord to prepare his way. Listen to verse 77 to give knowledge of the salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Now, now that, that's in a sense kind of new to their mainline thinking. They were, yes, looking for a savior, but they were looking for a political savior. They were looking for a military savior. They were looking for someone who would rescue them from poverty, that would establish them again, um, over all of their enemies. Again, that's second advent stuff. But what was missed is that when the Messiah came, he would also, and for, first and foremost, provide forgiveness, not, or excuse me, salvation, not from those external things, but from the internal things of, of our heart and our souls. He came to bring salvation from our sin. And that's what's so radical about what, 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 what Zechariah does here. He pronounces that, look, you're gonna help give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And if you remember, John the Baptist's ministry was what? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You gotta repent, you gotta turn back to God and it's through faith. And, and so um, this was gonna be the radical message of John and really proclaiming the mission of Jesus's first advent. So with all that being said, this is, this is really um, the part that really gets to my heart. In verse 78, it says, because the tender mercies of our God. Let's not forget that. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. The tender mercies of our God caused, it goes on to say, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And, and really that, that's a fulfillment, um, or he's referencing, I should say, Isaiah 9, verse 2, where he says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has come. He paints this imagery of of God in his tender mercy is bringing forth like 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 a sunrise 
bursts into the darkness of the morning and just spreads light over the land, God the light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, came into the world and brought light into an otherwise complete dark place. A place that, check this out, it says to give light to those who are sitting in darkness. The word sit there means to remain, abide, to dwell in. And, and, and yes, there's a very Israel messianic vibe to this, but it's bigger than that. It's the whole world. Listen, the whole world was sitting in darkness, remaining in darkness. Not physical darkness, but spiritual darkness, death. In fact, it goes on to say, um, in the shadow of death. You know what a shadow is? A shadow is shade that is being made by uh, an object that's blocking you know, the light. And the idea here is that the shadow of death, this ominous approaching object called death is looming and casting its shadow. And there's everybody sitting in its shadow, waiting for it to come. Death, separation, darkness, um, just, yeah, separation from God. And when it was its darkness in the most bleak time, that's when God burst onto the scene and brought Jesus into the world. And he came to save. Guys, we were sitting in darkness. We were in the shadow of death. When God so loved the world, he sent his son Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. That's what, that's what we're celebrating this Christmas time. And, and, and that, it's really blessed me lately, guys, thinking about that because... There's so many people that right now, listen, right now where you live, definitely where I live here in Eastern Germany, there are people that are still sitting in darkness. I know where I live personally, um, it's about 80% atheistic. There are people, Germans who tell me, in fact, it's, it's several, several people have told me that we live, that I live in the most atheistic place on the planet. Now, I don't think there's any way to verify that statistically, but you get the point. There's people sitting in darkness that don't know the first thing about God. God has been removed from the culture that I personally am living in. And where you're living and where your context is, people might hear the name of God, but do they know him? I mean, there's people all around us who are sitting in darkness and the shadow of death is cast upon them. They're going to die at some point. And when they die physically, they'll die spiritually and they'll die eternally, separated from God in hell because they don't know Jesus Christ. And that's why I, I want to encourage you and encourage myself that, yes, Jesus is the light of the world, but what did he say about us? He said, you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world because Jesus, the true light, is in us. The light of life is in us. And he has sent us into this dark world that is sitting in the shadow of death to give them the light, the good news of Christ. I want to encourage you to be light wherever you are. And then lastly, as I close, I just want to remind you that just like Jesus burst onto the scene <laughs> like a sunrise, he's about to do it again. I don't think you can read the news. I don't think you can have any kind of Bible knowledge um, and then look at the current events around us 
and not come to the conclusion that his second advent, guys, is right around the corner. It would not surprise me that this, as for believers in Jesus, is our last Christmas. I believe that Jesus is coming soon. I really do. And I want to encourage you that, that when, I guess what I want to say is that because Jesus is coming soon, to be that light, to be the light of the world, wherever you are in the darkness that you're in, because Jesus is coming back and he's not coming as a, as a little baby humbly and, and quietly into the sleepy town of Bethlehem. Guys, he's going to, when he comes again, and I'm not talking about the rapture right now, I'm talking about when he comes back and rules and reigns, he's coming as lightning flashes across the sky and he is going to put his foot down on this earth and he's going to physically, bodily come a second time and he is going to judge nations and rule in righteousness and bring an everlasting um, peace and equity and it is going to be amazing. Uh, that day's coming soon, you guys. <sighs> but until then, guys, we are the light of the world because he is the light of the world and he's in us. Let's remember how he came the first time. Let's be the light and let's look forward to his second coming. I hope you're encouraged. God bless you guys. And um, may you have an amazing and wonderful holiday season. I might pop back on here and give a couple more of these little devotions. We'll see how it goes. God bless you. Um, and and uh, again, Merry Christmas. Father, we pray you bless this word in Jesus' name. We thank you and praise you for coming into this world, the light and the darkness. Help us to be light in the darkness. And we look forward to your soon return. In Jesus' name, amen.